There are many wonderful people adding to the positive outlook of a backcountry and hunting lifestyle. Our goal is to join them in promoting that outlook. Welcome to the Backcountry Dreaming Podcast, where we share stories, tips, and tactics of our outdoor pursuits. Welcome back to the Backcountry Dreaming Podcast, everyone. Full house tonight. Myself, Brian here, Joe, Chad, and Rick Bruley is once again with us. He's been with us before. Thanks for joining us again, Rick. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me, bud. So we're, we're, we're kind of focusing in more tonight on Joe and Rick. Uh, mostly asking Rick some questions at, and kind of diving into hunting a new state and a new area. And these two gentlemen... Uh, both Chad and I, I think we're probably a little bit jealous. These gentlemen are going out to hunt elk. So Joe, you want to kind of take it away? Yeah. So this year I, uh, you guys all heard my story from last year. I was so pissed off at elk hunting and elk hunting in general, but I decided instead of giving up elk hunting this year, I'd try a different state. So I started looking into, uh, different states and stuff like that. And, um, first I was kind of set on Colorado and, the more and more I listen to people talk about it and the more and more I talk to people about it, the more and more I decided that that was a terrible choice. So I started <laughs> looking into other states and Idaho was kind of always something in the back of my mind. I've always wanted to hunt Idaho. It's gorgeous out there. And um, <clears throat> so I started reading into it a little bit and looking at tag prices and looking at dates and all that fun jazz and kind of came to the conclusion that Idaho was going to be the choice. Um, the other thing I wanted to do this year to change things up was bring somebody out with me. And that's something that I haven't done in a while. And I really wanted to try kind of having that pacer along idea of having somebody there to make sure to keep me in check that I can keep in check as well to make sure we're positive and moving along and keep working towards our goal. So we don't end up burnt out and pissed off and wanting to give up elk hunting yeah well and <laughs> yeah. W- one thing too that i suppose we should probably mention rick's no stranger to this so rick no. why don't you share just a little bit i know you've been out out west and i know you've hunted mule deer and and shared some stories about that but what all have you done out west well so this this will be my first experience hunting elk uh and uh, i've done a lot of mule deer hunting in the dakotas uh, and that's as far west as I've gone in regards to that. Uh, but I, it's about as close as you can get. Yeah. And there's good, it's good country and, uh, there's good quality animals out there and it's a lot of fun. So started going out there with a friend of mine over a decade ago out to North Dakota and went there for several years. It was pretty easy to get a tag. And then they had kind of a hard winter kill and some, uh, some blue tongue, kind of took over out there a little bit. And so the population went down. It was harder to get a tag. And then I started going to South Dakota over the counter. So and I've had some pretty good success. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's good. So it's nice because you definitely have somebody who's who's seasoned in it 
to some so it's not like somebody brand new that's never yeah, done anything. No, and that <laughs> makes a big difference because it's it's the same concept. Mm. You know, whether you're in North Dakota, South Dakota, Colorado, Montana, Idaho, Washington, well, Washington, Oregon, I should say are probably a little different there if you're on the yeah. coastal side. But yeah. for the most part, it's the same concept. You're spotting stocking, you're you know, moving quiet, slipping in and out as best he can, making plans, and you have the team experience as well yep. of working with another person because that's a big aspect of mm-hmm. it as well. So, um, so yeah, we decided on Idaho. Um, I approached Rick about it, and I, rep- I approached a few different people, and everybody had some interest, but it wasn't interest that I felt like I could rely on. Yeah. Um, so I thought, well, who, who else is there? And then I was like, I don't know how it popped into my head, but I was like, God damn it, there's Rick. <laughs> I know Rick will go if I ask him. So I talked to him about it and he was, he wanted to go. And so from there we started kind of coming up with a game plan. Yeah. What went into, for, for you guys, what went into picking the state itself being, being Idaho? Um, Cause you always hear everybody's, you know, it's like, well, Colorado has the most elk. Yeah. You know, you mm-hmm. always hear that. And yeah, and it doesn't matter how many elk are in a state if most of them are in a national park. Yeah. <laughs> Let's start with that. Yeah. And then the other part of it is Colorado also has the most elk hunters. Hmm. Um, so, and there's a reason for that. It's because there's the most elk there. But that's the big thing I hear is I hear stories of, and I shouldn't even be saying any of this because now it's gonna, it could possibly turn into Idaho, but I don't think our listenership's that big yet. But, yet. <laughs> yeah. But, but with Colorado, it's like there's a saying that when you walk across a mountain, you don't spook elk, you spook people. Oh. People are running down the mountains. You mm. see more people than you do elk. Hmm. Um, so, I mean, tags are cheap. There's plenty of them. There's plenty of opportunity out there, which is great. But I feel like in a state like that, with that many people hunting it, there's no such thing as a honey hole. Yeah. You know, yeah. you're getting attacked on all sides. So that was my big thing with that one. Montana, obviously I have experience. And I'm still hunting Montana this year. Yeah. Going out there for rifle. And possibly if Idaho goes super good and we get done super fast, maybe me and Rick will go hit up Montana on the way home for a few days mm, <laughs> and see nice. if we can double down. Mm, nice. But um what yeah. So Idaho to me it was there's a couple different things about it. The the tag price is right. Um that it doesn't have the benefits of Montana where you buy a tag and it's good for all the seasons. So you buy a tag for a season, um, which but the price is right. So the tag price is right. The opportunities there, there's tons of public land in Idaho and good quality public land. Um, and then going off hunter statistics, if you look at the hunter statistics, there's some good percentage rates in some of those units. Nice. And these are basically over the counter units. Um, you know, the only thing is that I noticed with Idaho that I wish I would have noticed right away was the quota thing. Because there was one unit we looked at and we were pretty set on, and then we looked into it and it was like, oh crap, quotas mm-hmm. filled. It feels like that, the day it opens. Is that the law regulation thing that Rick found and pointed no, out? No, no, there was. I don't remember what the other thing was, but I was telling Brian that another thing we we should be talking about tonight was um, going to a new state like that. I think laws and regs are a big thing. Yeah, because um, every state's <laughs> different, and we've talked about it before. But I don't remember what it was, but the night we met up at Smokey's, we were talking and you pointed out a reg to me that I was like, I did not realize that that was regulation there. And I don't remember what it was. Well, it was- I don't, I, the one thing that kind of 
flip-flop me around a little bit on my setup is that you have to use a fixed blade broadhead. Oh, that may be um, what it was. And yeah. I've always I always use a mechanical. So yeah. that kind of changed the ball game a little bit for me is trying to figure out. So I immediately started, you know, just talking to, you know, because I through Vapor Trail, you know, I we have some um you know, connections through businesses and things like that. So I started just kind of using those channels to try to get um, some different broadheads to play around with and test. And we actually do stuff with Redneck Point in Germany. Okay. Um, and they manufacture the German Kinetics. Uh, and I wasn't sure if they were still the manufacturer because I had heard that they had kind of changed hands. But right. um, I had recently got an order from them for some strings and cables. And so I just reached out and I said, are you guys the ones that, that deal with that. And I've always had like a beat up broadhead that, um, Jared, the original founder of the company had sitting around that he, um, shot some animals with in Africa. And so I was thinking that might be a really nice head to use. And she just said, yeah, what do you want? I'll send you some. So nice. like, it took a month for me to get them, but so I got some one twenty fives and some one hundreds and I'll play around with those. But, um, I got some Magnus broadheads cause our marketing guy used to work for Magnus. So he, got a hold of Mike over there at Magnus. And so, so we'll, we'll mess around with those and, and I'll see what I can do. But I think that was the one big regulation. And then there's, there's a lot of different things that a lot of different little tags and licenses that you have to get during yeah. the process. So I was doing that research and just kind of feeling Joe in on that. I mean, he did all the legwork in regards to um, choosing the state and uh, I hadn't really done any of that. In fact, I had zero plans on hunting elk. Yeah. Not even in, not even in the, in the coaxed them in. not even in the finances and there was no coaxing really at all. It was kind of at a point in my life where it's just like, he walked in at the right time and yeah. he's like, Hey man, want to go elk hunting? I'm like, well, tell me some more. And, That's uh, awesome. I, I mean, I have a buddy who lives out in Montana. He's been hassling me about coming out for a long time. The same friend of mine, um, Ben Gatormson that I hunted with originally in North Dakota. So he's really taught me a lot about what I know about Western hunting. Yeah. Okay. Um, and uh, gosh, I know that he's name. He's a professional. He's like ridiculous. I think I've heard him on another podcast. Yeah, you probably have. Yeah. Um, he's done some stuff with uh, with Ty Stubblefield on okay. his. Yep. He's done some stuff with him and awesome. a nice. bunch of other things. But in any case, uh, so, but the tag, you know, the price, everything, you know, it's just like, huh, oh, that's too expensive. I can't, I'm not, it's not my wheelhouse. But yeah. Joe came in and asked me, and I was kind of like honored because I'm thinking, well, you know, here I have to contend with an ultra marathon runner while I'm out there. So it also gave me the motivation to really like start. I'm like, I got to start working, working out. Like November, I was hitting the gym, you know. See, on the um, other side of it, I'd be nervous to go with you knowing how good of an archer you are. I'd be like, well, if if all we can do is get to 60 yards, at least well, yeah. at least one of us can get <laughs> one. Real. Rick that, can take a shot. That kind of went into my decision making. I'm joining <laughs> up with Rick. I was like, ah, 60 to 100, Rick's got it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My yeah. calling capabilities don't have to be that great. Yeah. You guys all I know is how to cook, so I don't even know if I can do anything. <laughs> you can bring Chad as a, as a camp jack. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's interesting you say that because to be perfectly honest with you, I'm, I don't feel real good about my shooting right now. Not, I just haven't been shooting a lot. Yeah, sure. I'm still shooting well, uh, but it, it's just anytime there's a new experience, you know, anytime, uh, you know, you run into a situation and, and I don't care how experienced you are uh, it, in the moment there's so many things that have to come together. Yeah. And there's so many times where I've choked 
<laughs> and the thing is, is it's like, so for this, um, I don't know. I really want, I would just want to get close. Yeah. And yeah. That, that's what I really prided myself on is trying to get better at getting close. But, sure. You know, beggars can't be choosers. When we're out there, we need to get some meat home. So yeah. If we need to launch some bombs. We will. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think too, with, I think your confidence comes from your spring. Yeah. And I think with your spring, I think that's a good, I think that's a good fuel to have in the yeah. tank for mm-hmm. coming into this fall. Cause Rick had some bad luck on some turkeys this spring and, yeah. and we've all been there. Mm-hmm. I did it twice in one day. Yeah. <laughs> two years ago. So it happened. <laughs> yeah. You wouldn't have wanted me to be on your recap podcast. Cause it would have been very depressing. <laughs> <on my end. laughs> but, but, you got, but you got a shot. Yeah. A few. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I didn't even get a shot. So that, <laughs> yeah. I was like, man, but yeah, that, that's one of the things. So if you're listening, Rick's a wizard of a boat tuner. Um, he, he is a good shot. Whatever he says, as much as he hasn't practiced, he's better than us. <laughs> he could sit down for two years and he'd still be. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, so if you're looking to get your bow tune, we'll give out his cell number. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Not this time of year. <laughs> no, no. Let's wait until like December or something. Right. <laughs> but yeah, Monday he, <laughs> triggered our busy season. So. Yeah. Well, it's good. It's, that's nice that you guys will be going out there and, and both your bows will be tuned. And if something happens out there. <laughs> You know, you got you yeah, got, Rick, got Rick. I got a portable bow press too. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, yeah. We're gonna be ready. Yeah. It'll be in the pack if we need it. It's a, That's really awesome. difficult to use, but in a pinch, you can make it work. Really? Oh, I got yeah. buddies that wow. fixed a string. I think I told you this story already. That a couple of my buddies in Montana two years ago, a guy stocked into a bowl, pulled back, shot. A twig got in between a string and his cam. Oh, yeah. Popped yep. the string off. They found two trees, jammed the bow in there, got the string got back, back on. on, went and shot a target, and everything was good. And he said, all right, carry on. What is a portable <laughs> wow. bow press like? Is it like a some <laughs> kind real. of ratchet strap design, or how does well, that work? Well, there is one that's like that, but this is um, basically it's just a like a braided wire, and there's like some brackets that you put over the limbs and the sides. Okay. And then there's just like a... I don't know, a threaded bolt that's got a handle on it and you just screw it in and it pushes a wedge out and then pulls that cable tight. Hmm. So it's super lightweight. I mean, it's not even half a pound or whatever. But but then now with the more modern bows, there's these two metal brackets they have to carry. So it ends up being about a pound and a half. Still not too bad. And even at the, if it's something that's way bigger. Yeah. Yeah. And even if it's something that you got sitting at the truck. Mm -hmm. Right. That's that's a nice thing just to have sitting at the yeah, truck. Absolutely. We should probably talk a little bit about about picking a partner because obviously you you were looking, you know, to Rick and um kind of t- let's talk a little bit about what goes into that. Cause I think all of us in some way have either gone out west or boundary waters or hunt, you know, some type of backcountry hunt or backcountry fishing and ch- and had to choose people yeah. or a person to go with us. And that can sometimes be you hear guys talk about all the time it's got to be like a marriage you know and a good marriage oh we've talked about that many times yeah yeah and i i agree and i think with you know this is going to take a little bit off track but the same idea so my kid watches dude perfect on YouTube all the time. <laughs> and I noticed one day, I noticed one day, they do all these trick shots and It stuff. actually is awesome. It is pretty it's cool. Awesome. But I noticed one day on the Rocket episode, the main dude, he's wearing a Sitka jacket. I'm like, oh, they're hunters. So I started like <laughs> researching and I searched Dude Perfect hunting. 
they do the hunting stereotype video. Yeah. That one you see with the guy with the giant duck call and the, the snacker and the guy that's sleeping in the blind. Oh, they do that? The yeah, long-arming. that's them. They do a fishing one too. It's pretty uh. fun. But anyways, um, all that shit is true. A hundred percent true. So you have to, it's, it's, it's like marrying somebody and finding out something's a little off. And then you go, well, Dang. I picked the kind of crazy that I can deal with. Sure, <laughs> sure, sure. Or like that kind of attitude. And that's just it. Everybody's got their quirks. Nobody's perfect. Right. You know, and, and I could say stuff about people I hunted with. Every single one of them. I could say stuff about you. Yep. You know, yep. Brian is chatty as hell. <laughs> so on the ride out to Montana, that's 18 and a half hours. Do not Don't plan try to listen sleeping. to any music or sleeping because he is going to talk the entire time. And it's, yeah. but, but at the same time, that's an awesome quality to have rather Absolutely. than a guy that just passes out and he's sleeping the whole yeah. yeah, you don't want that. Yeah. Man. So <laughs> got to have balance. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so a mix between Brian and a sleepy guy. That's perfect. Yeah, no, and I've got my marriage balance. Yeah. Right? Yep. Yep. Everybody's got their quirks. So it, it's just a matter of finding what works for you. And I think for me, my big thing is I think the the most important quality that I look for in a person that I'm gonna go on a hunt with is that they're driven. Yeah. That they're yeah. not going out there for a relaxing vacation and getting drunk every night and sleeping in in the morning. Wait, 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 wait. Well, well, there'll be plenty of that. Well, isn't that what we're going to do the whole time? <laughs> it's coming I, out on the podcast. <laughs> Rick's going, oh, crap. Oh, here we go. Yep. No, no, and that's because I've got, like, my dad's got buddies that, you know, I grew up going on hunting trips with, and they would literally, like, we'd be like a flying moose hunt to Canada. They would spend, an entire day sitting in the cabin. Oh man. Playing cribbage, drinking Windsor. And like, that's their thing. That's their way of getting away. That's what they want to do. That's great. But like, if that was all I had, like my dad was different, but mm-hmm. if that was all I had, then I would have been like, Hmm, wasn't expecting this out of this trip. <laughs> yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I was yeah. expecting guys to be out there getting after it. Yeah. So the cool thing about that with you guys going out there is in, in any and any Western hunt, especially for Midwesterners, because we we don't have that that type of opportunity in our backyard to do this all the time. So we have to really plan differently than people who live there. We can't leave tonight and go out and scout and look. We have we have to look on the internet. And so one of the things I think is cool about <clears throat> picking a partner like that is being able to look at that hunt and say. And, and Rick, you just hit the nail on the head. The goal is to bring meat home. We talked about this a little bit on the last podcast. And for you to say that and realize that is one of those things where you, you already are putting so much time and money and, and you know, it's, it's, a, it's a huge undertaking mm-hmm. to go out there and do it. And like you say, being driven to know that it'll be that because you guys are going out there and you're not supposed to get it done. Hmm. It chances are it won't happen. It's and an, that it's an against all odds situation. Right. So that's to me and Rick just said it to me that's the fuel to be to say I'm going to do something that I'm not supposed to be successful at. Mm. The the odds are against me. The percentages are against me. So what does it mean if I can do it? Yeah. You know and and, and that's yeah. awesome. That's a I great think, feeling mm, to I think that's what like coaxes me to want to go elk hunting more yeah. and to do that. Like, that's what got me to do it. it was that like, I like an opportunity at something that's a challenge. 
Yeah. And the more the odds go against me, the I think the harder I'm going to work mm-hmm. every single time. And I've thought about that with ultra marathons and everything. It's like if the weather's shit or it's looking like everybody's going to fail, everybody's going to drop, I'm going to be like, nope, not me. I'm going to keep going. Yeah. If the weather's perfect, I'm going to be like, ah, I can go home and take a nap. <laughs> <laughs> everybody's going to finish. I don't want to. You're one of those sufferers. <laughs> you want to suffer. Yeah. <laughs> you got to suffer. Yeah. yeah. I think you, do. you Yeah. I think you just go. It, it's always good to go into every hunt with that expectation, you know? Yeah. And I don't know, not, I mean, you want to be positive. You want to be optimistic. Mm-hmm. You know? Right. But every time I've been successful, I've always gone in with that mentality, you know, just thinking, well, I mean, worst case, I had a nice vacation, ran around the mountains for a couple of days, yeah. you know, or, yep. um, so I think that kind of helps you, you know, cope with maybe not getting anything, but at the same time, like Joe said, you still got to have that drive. Um, and the success that you have in life gives you that drive, I think, too. Totally. Yeah. Yep. So, and, and every success is measured in many different ways, but for us, success is going to be bringing me home. Yeah. And boy, if we can bring some antlers home, that'd be pretty cool, too. Cause yeah. I don't care who you are, man. Antlers just get you excited. Yeah. Totally. Um, you know, totally. And just like birds get you guys excited, I don't, I'm not quite as excited about birds, but, um, you know, there's just, there's just that element of, you know, getting a big bull yeah. know, or even just having the opportunity to have one, you know, that I was close just going to say, just having the us. opportunity of a bull screaming in your yeah. face is pretty yeah. awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's yeah. pretty hard to beat. So. Yeah. When you're, yeah, yeah you're, you're hunt, you're hunting always. We're hunting things that their sole job to, is to survive. Mm-hmm. That's their only job. And, and, and to be in a position where either you get the job done or you, are super close to them is just cool every time, yeah. every single time. I guess uh, talking about it that way, is there some level of mental preparation that you go into uh, when you're going out west, knowing that you might not be guaranteed? Yeah, I'm, I my wife mentally break me down. <laughs> <laughs> mentally abuse you, get you prepared <laughs> to put up with anything. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Amy, don't listen to this. <laughs> yeah, no, right. no, I think uh, <clears throat> I think that comes with kind of what Rick was saying, the successes in life and the failures in life. I think the the mental I think mental fortitude is not something that's learned in like a few months or even six months or a year or whatever. I think it's a lifetime of experiences that really push a person to keep pushing. Like, I, I know I've got issues with that where I'm just like, mm-hmm. fuck it. This guy says I'm not going to do it. I'm going to go do it. And that's, <laughs> yep. and it's, and it's a bad thing because it'll ruin friendships. It'll ruin families. It'll ruin a lot of stuff. I realize that, but I know I have it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just because of the way I was raised. But I think like the only thing you can do to prepare yourself is do what Brian said, you know, like say I'm going in here against all odds. Chances are likely I'm not going to come home with an animal. Or like Rick said, at at very at the very least, I'm going there and I'm having a nice vacation walking around in the mountains. Or like we said in the last episode, like, yeah, we can go and say all that, but at the same time, like the goal is still to get an animal. Yeah. And you may come home beaten up and broken down and feeling like crap because you missed your one opportunity, but such is life. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not a guarantee. Yeah. And that's and that should be the fuel that causes you to to push further learn more be mentored further and 
for the next time. Yep. I yep. mean, and, and exactly. And that's like, it. I think my evolution from the last elk hunting trip is bringing somebody else up. Cause I learned that I just kind of gave up after mm. a few days. Mm. And so my thing is like, I need, I think it's going to just be helpful to have somebody else there so we can feed off of each other. Cause I know yep. if somebody else is beaten up and feeling like crap, if <laughs> I can help them, it makes me feel 10 times better mm-hmm. and everybody's happy. Yeah. Yep. So I, I think, uh, bringing somebody else along is going to be a huge change. Yeah. I, I mean, solo hunting is, it's, it's got its perks. There's no yep. doubt about it. You know what I mean? Like any and every decision that you make is on you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. So yep. It, it, there's no influence involved there. Uh, so you, you only have yourself to blame. Um, but at the same time, like you said, it's it, when you go out there with somebody else, it's like a marriage. So you, you just, even if somebody gives you some advice, I mean, if I'm asking somebody for advice and you give it to me and I follow it and it doesn't work, well, we learn something from it. You yeah. know, I'm not going to get upset about it or anything like yeah. that, you know? So it's, and that, that's the thing. And that, I think that's why I've been able to work well with others in my hunts in the past. And when we're talking about like what our anticipation is for the year, uh, you know, the first couple of times I went out to North Dakota, it was, you know, it ended up being kind of a scouting trip. You know what I mean? Yeah, saw yep. deer, it was just, we were inexperienced, you know? Um, in this case, it's different. Joe's got some experience. I've got some Western experience too. So we can bring some of that to the table. Um, our shooting abilities, we can bring that to the table. Uh, my elk calling is terrible, so I'm still working on it. I probably sound like a whining fox in the woods right now, but I'm still calling working some on bears. Yeah. Calling some bears. Well, that's another benefit of Idaho we didn't talk yeah. about. You can downgrade your tag. Okay, so, so you can I, shoot down. If on a bear it. came in, I can shoot it. I think yeah. a wolf even was below an elk. Yeah, and yeah we can shoot a wolf. Yeah. A mule deer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. It, yeah. It's kind of a cool little benefit. If really we cool. if we wanted to, we could purchase a bear tag too for like 180 bucks. Yeah. So okay. If we're in like an area where there's a lot of bears, but we're in elk too, which I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah. That's so you, cool. But you that- can't upgrade. Can't you can't upgrade? Yeah. <laughs> no. They don't let you shoot it and pay the difference. You, <laughs> so it's not like McDonald's. Huh? Can't supersize. So supersize to a moose, please. The takeaway is almost one of the things. This is probably its own podcast, but talking about you know picking a partner and how you operate with a teammate on a hunt. It, it's almost kind of like one of our thoughts as outdoorsmen and women should be be the hunting partner you would want to have. Yep. Work on being a better hunting partner. Cause there are some people that you, they seem like a cool person, you know, at the bar or at a, you know, hate to say it, but I've had this experience that you go to a BHA rendezvous and, or whatever. And you're like, man, all these people are awesome. And then you have an experience outside of that in hunting and you're like, Oh man. You know that Brian's talking about me now. <laughs> <laughs> Joe never talks on the whole ride. He's sleeping. No, <laughs> no, no. We make a good yin and yang. Yeah. <laughs> we fight like an old married couple. No, no. But that you, you know, work on that. Be be the kind of hunting partner you'd want to have. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. that's something to really think about. Yeah, uh, and, you know. And one thing on that too that. <clears throat> Another thing that besides the driven aspect, another big thing for me, and Rick and I already had this discussion is, and you and I have had this discussion many times, you have to be able to adapt and overcome if you're going to hunt with me. If, if you're going to hunt with me and we're not seeing elk in 
24 to 36 hours or at least seeing sign, I am getting the F out of that area so fast. That's why I'm excited to hunt with you. (laughs) (laughs) I am not afraid to hike five miles out at midnight, jump in my truck and drive three hours and get up and hunt again. Seeing them. Like that doesn't, that doesn't phase me at all. I, I am, we're on a limited time schedule. We're yep. investing a lot of time and money into it. We're going to do everything we possibly can to make sure we come home with meat. Yeah. And that's, and Rick and I had that discussion and Rick was like, yep, nope, I'm all for yeah, that. If I kill something, it's all mine. Yeah. I'm taking all of it. <laughs> <laughs> and if you kill something, it's all mine. <laughs> I get my cut. It's like a married couple. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, not 50, 50. No, it's a hundred, a hundred. Yeah. yeah. It just, that's just the way it goes. You know what yep. I mean? That's, yep. And one of the things that I'm actually more excited about is like just getting to know you better yeah. as like a hunter. Cause we've had some conversations and stuff, but, um, and who knows, maybe after the trip, we hate each other and yeah. we don't want to talk to each <laughs> other. Out, neither one of us has any ethics. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> I'll tell you what. that being the case, but, um, but nonetheless, that, that's one of that, that's what I'm excited about. Uh, just to see how we work together. Yeah. I'm trying to find a new team and, and see how we can get things going. And I don't have any doubts that we'll be successful in that area, whether we're successful at harvesting an animal or not. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. You you got when Joe told me that he would talk to you about going, I, I thought that 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 sounds like a that sounds like a good duo yeah. going out there. You know, and and you just you kinda it is interesting because I I joke around that you, you don't really know somebody till you get in a difficult situation like that yeah. with them. But you can kind of if you spend enough time with somebody, you can see how they handle other things. Mm-hmm. And that's the one thing I thought about you with just I've had you help me tune two of my bows. Mm-hmm. And your patience and not viewing things as a big deal when I was like, oh my gosh, what's going on? You know, and you're yeah. just like, well, we'll figure it out. Yeah. I, I was like, that's the kind of that's the kind of attitude you want on those mm-hmm. things like that. That, you know, because people just some people just fall apart. Yeah. They just completely fall apart. And and that's I've seen that now in, in Alaska, especially going there. You just see people that are super physically capable, like overly physical, physically capable, check out. Yeah. That's like what's I, crazy. I don't get. Yeah. I like can't do it. Can't do it. Day seven. If we can get a plane in here, I want to leave. Yeah. And you're like, what? You got, <laughs> you got that much discipline to prepare yourself physically, but not mentally mentally yeah i think that just has to do with like making yourself uncomfortable yeah. you have to get comfortable yeah. with being uncomfortable and some experience too like when i think about you know i think myself i've been in this situation you get a little bit you get a little antsy when things aren't working out and and the deadline when you need to go home is coming up yep. and you start to you start to do things that you shouldn't do because of that and if you've been there enough times to know this could happen literally the last five minutes that I have, and I need to keep that in mind the whole time, as hard as it is, this could happen, this could come right down to the wire and it could happen in um, in 10 seconds. Yep. So to try to keep that in mind, you really can only keep that in mind though if you've had experience in yep. that. Whitetail hunting is a big thing in that because yep. you, you could sit there, you could do an all day sit and see squirrels. Yeah. <laughs> And then last light, you know, here's, here's your chance. And if yeah. you're not tuned in, cause you're like, I'm not going to see anything. Yeah. If you're not tuned in now, you might've missed your one shot. 
And I think it's like, happened to me before. Yeah, <laughs> me too. Yeah, yeah. it's happened yeah. to me too. And that's, I was going to say like whitetail hunting is a good like mental game, mm-hmm. I think. And for me, like growing up, whitetail hunting literally was sitting in a stand reading magazines, noisy, glossy magazines. <laughs> like that was my way of like keeping myself in the stand. And that was still like two hours and I'm done. And when I started running like distance running and training for marathons and stuff like that, that's when I got to a point where I'm like, I can sit in a stand for eight hours. I can mentally check out, be somewhere else sitting in my stand, dreaming of me laying on a beach in Hawaii for all I care. (laughs) Like I've got, I've got that figured out now. So, and so I can sit out there and, and play that game. But like last year, my elk hunting, that's exactly what happened. Like I, I got close to my deadline and I completely checked out and I was making mistakes left and right. Yeah. And then the last night I call in a bull yep. and just didn't take a shot because I thought he was too far. And then I went back to spring bear and ranged him. I've told the story three times and just, what was I thinking? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Should have shot him. Now you but, guys are going to, Joe mentioned before we turn the podcast on, you guys are going to operate by the daily switch yeah. rule. Cause that's something that, that I think needs to be discussed a little more when you go with a partner or with a group, how are you deciding daily, you know, who gets an opportunity or how are you going to sort that out? And, and sometimes it can be a difficult thing. And, and th- that's why having a good partner that's another reason to have a great partner that that you can trust they're going to do the right thing yeah and they know you are and you're going to prefer one another and yeah. if <laughs> that sounds like marriage counseling <laughs> 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 you know, it is prefer it one another and and it will it usually works out best yeah. that way so and that's and the daily switch i think is like Brian and I talked about it a little bit before is the daily switch i think is the perfect way to go if you're hunting with one other person, if you're hunting with a group, it can get a little iffy and it's more, you're better off breaking up into groups or whatever. But if you're hunting with three guys, I don't even know how you, it's like whoever has the opportunity, take the, take the animal. It's almost (laughs) like you're going out there together, but splitting up once you get there or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and my thing too, with the daily switch, and I've had this conversation in the past is like, if somebody has an opportunity and the other guy doesn't, like if, if, if it's Rick's day or if it's my day, I should say. And I, and Rick calls in an elk and it barrels right by me and Rick's 20, 40 yards behind me. And he's got a shot. Yeah. By all means, take the damn shot. Yeah. Because in the end we're out here together. Yeah. Nobody's getting that animal on their own. Mm-hmm. It's a team effort and everybody needs to be aware of that. Yeah. Cause it's, it's not. Not just, yeah, start winging arrows because Rick's over here and the elk's right there. (laughs) Oh, I've got a clear shot. Rick must not. So I'm going to shoot it quick. Like, no. But if there's, if, if, if it's obvious that, you know, the other guy has no shot, or if you just got a perfect opportunity where you know that's a, that's a dead elk. Yeah. Take the shot. Yeah. You know, cause I'm going to be just as happy if he kills one than I will be if I will. Yeah. 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 And that, and, you know, like we were talking about a little bit, just having that teamwork between you guys is going to be cool because you'll discuss these things up front. Yeah. I think you just get into trouble when you don't talk about it. Yeah. And yeah. then the moment comes and something just, it, you're, it, you're disrupted because you don't know. And, you know, Rick will say, well, he came by me 20 yards. I had a shot, but yeah. I didn't know if I, if it's your day, Joe. And, and now that you're like, Hey, take the shot yeah. now, yeah. now, you know, 
that communication's yeah. good. Yeah, I mean, if we're in a situation where one of us is calling for the other, you know, and so we're trying, you know, you're set back or you're in a different location, and then all of a sudden some good, decent satellite bull comes curling around the corner behind where I'm not paying attention, and Joe's staring him in the face, better take that shot. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's know, the like, thing, too. And with elk, like, if we get into them and they're lighting up left and right, it's not going to be a daily switch. It's going to be a call switch. Yeah. We'll call one session and if bull comes in, we don't get an opportunity, but we know we're going to be calling more and then we're just going to keep switching that way. Cause it, the problem is if you have one guy shooting that all day and you're calling in multiple bulls, if the opportunity doesn't happen for that person, they're going to be so mentally fucked <laughs> by the end of the day and pissed, yeah. you know, that it's going to be hard to stay on track for the rest of the trip because they're going to be so upset. Yeah. And it, it it's hard not to it's hard not to lose your drive and motivation after a day of something like that where just everything came together and then the one thing didn't happen yeah. five times. Yeah. That's tough. So it's better to just switch and switch and switch, but you know, for the most part realistically it's going to be a daily switch because we'll, we will adapt yeah we yeah. will adapt <laughs> as long as we have that conversation yeah. but i think yeah it's a good idea to have somebody as designated just so that there's some initial structure mm -hmm. yep. okay we understand okay this is kind of how we're this is the dynamic that we're going to do on this day and then yeah. um yeah we just have to adapt to well, whatever's going on there's totally. the other opportunities that come up too where you walk around a corner and a satellite bull is standing right mm -hmm. there. And if I'm in front of you and it's your shooting day, you bet your ass I'm dropping to my knees and you are shooting. Yeah. <laughs> you might as well. Yeah. <laughs> so, and whoever's in the, yeah, whoever's and in Rick's the best a better position. Shot, so whatever. we'll just yeah. let that go. <laughs> that honestly though, that's nice to have, you know, to have somebody that their skill set is better than yours, you know, cause I, you can you can almost feel a little bit handcuffed sometimes where it's like you know both of us feel you know if you got a buddy or like both of us feel comfortable to 40 well it's it's kind of a nice thing to know as the guy who's maybe not the better shooter well this guy this guy's comfortable to 60 yeah and that when when you start talking archery hunting as as all of us know those those added yards i think skyrocket your opportunity if you are somebody who says, I feel very comfortable shooting an elk at 60 yards, your opportunity and success rate just skyrocketed from somebody who's has like, I only feel comfortable at 30. And like you said, Rick, I think, I think you're 100% right. The goal is to get as close as possible. And why is that the goal? Because that's our chip shots. Yeah. If, if an elk comes in at eight yards, if, if for some yeah. crazy reason now you're, you're like, Man, this is this is kind of a done deal. Where yeah. if it's at sixty, for I'm not taking that. I'm yeah. not taking that shot personally. You know, I'm just like, Ugh, I don't know. That's pretty far. It's more exciting for me too, though. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. Yep. Like just having them in that close. Yeah, yep. That's the thing that always really got me with bow hunting. You know, just letting them come in close, and mm -hmm. even sometimes just sitting there watching them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Have you guys or will you guys plan on actually shooting together too before? Yeah, going most into likely. It? So you kind of get yeah. it because, as Brian mentioned, yeah, you can go to a pint night and people <laughs> yeah. talk a big game. <laughs> yeah. And, oh yeah, I'm comfortable at 50, 60 yeah. yards, no problem. I shot a a whitetail at a full gallop or something yeah. like that. It's like, yeah, right, dude. And then yeah. they and then they go out and they actually prove it. Yeah. Or and then it's like, okay, yeah. 
I actually yeah. can trust this guy. Yeah, too. and I think right. I think with Rick and I, we probably will get out and shoot before because we'll probably do a gear check, and then on top of that, um, you know, Rick and I, I think the proof is in the pudding or in the venison, rather. Yeah. Um, you know, we've both seen what each other can do just by animals on the ground, and which is something we talked about last week too. Right. As just, you know guys that are putting animals on the ground typically that says something and you know like rick said this is a new experience it's elk so it might be a little bit different but mm-hmm. one thing i could say a bigger to rick, kill zone yeah exactly <laughs> that's what i was gonna get to that one thing i can say to rick is that yes it is different but you have a lot more forgiveness in an elk than you do in a deer and you know and Honestly, like we were talking about the 60 yards or more kind of thing. I'd say a magic number out of all the elk that I've had come in on a call that hung up is 50. Yeah. 50 yards is typically the magic number. That's like, that's where they're going to stop if they do stop. Otherwise, mm-hmm. they're going to keep coming. And if if you're comfortable at 50, which I think the three of us would be, um, you know, after practicing throughout the summer by the time september rolls around i think we'd be comfortable at 50 i know basically if you can hit the reinhardt side on an 18 and one at 50 you're probably sitting okay yeah you should shoot better than that at 50 for sure Mm -hmm. um i probably wouldn't shoot at him at 50 if i was hitting all over (laughs) these these days i want to feel comfortable at about 60 yards yeah um you know, there's times where I've felt comfortable longer yards. It's all relative to how much you're practicing. That's what it's all about. Yeah. yeah. And I've noticed that as I get a little bit older too, my eyesight's kind of changing. Yeah. Um, so that takes an effect as well. Uh, yeah. But e- either way, it's um, uh, I wouldn't feel confident as confident now at shooting long distance as I did several years ago. But yeah. again, now you got to think about how the vitals are bigger. So that also increases, you know, your chances, like you said. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I, I don't doubt either of our ability to no. make it happen within 50 yards, 60 yards. And I, he's, he's sent me some pictures of the arrows that he's like, just going out there and stabbing in the target. I'm going, yeah, man, check it out. Look at this group. This is my 80 yard group. Secure your release around the three arrows and take a picture of it. No, yeah. no, it's been, no, I, he's been sending me some pictures on his shooting and it looks like I feel good. pretty good about it. Yeah. So. yeah. How do you come for elevation too? Typically with those, I like to go shoot ranges, like walk through ranges, like Elm Creek's got some good. They have a 50 yard shot that probably drops like, 12 feet in that 50 yards but then they also have you know a 15 yard shot that drops 10 straight feet. down and it's good so, to practice those i yeah. get up on my house i do the same i shoot I, from my roof yeah. yeah yeah my neighbors think i'm an idiot yeah, they're like <laughs> what is this dude doing i shoot from my roof a lot um the uphill shots are the problem you can't put your target on your roof and take a shot. <laughs> the neighbor, neighbor frowned yeah, yeah, yeah. on that. No. But the beauty Careful. of that is hopefully we're not shooting uphill. Because if you're shooting uphill, most likely you're shooting at an animal that knows damn well that you're standing right there Yeah, looking yeah. at it. So downhill shots are more likely. But even at that, I mean, archery elk hunting, like archery mule deer, I feel like you're running into more of that or goat or something like that. But archery elk usually you're trying to get them to come to you or you're like you said walk or like i said walking right up on them yeah so it's not a huge difference but i think getting out and doing like walkthrough shoots or 3d shoots is a huge help for that 
there's there's um there's two technical aspects when it comes to that and i won't get too into boring detail but one of them is um yardage it it changes your yardage yep um because if you're shooting down or up gravitational pull has less effect on your arrow mm. so you have to be able to cut the yardage most rangefinders now have the ability to do that yep. um but i imagine in most situations that we're going to be in we won't have that opportunity um i've come to terms with that when you're I'm out, working on a out west hunting that. that you <laughs> don't always have that opportunity to range so yeah, you need yeah. to be able to kind of adjust for that um and then also having a third axis adjustment on your site is yep. a big thing because if you don't um as you uh tilt your bow up or down if that um if your site's third axis isn't perpendicular to your bow the bubble will walk one way or the other and so yeah. it'll force you to tilt your bow in the wrong direction and that'll throw off your point of impact so hmm. those are two probably the most important aspects yep. um, yeah we walk the yardage through that is the, with my the, bow the guessing is difficult because i have actually never been in the presence of an elk yeah. um i mean with a bow in my hand you know yeah. i've seen them you know out in the wild and stuff but so it'll be a different it's a different ball game when it comes to that and only thing i can really do is just uh pretend that the white-tailed deer target in my backyard is about three times bigger yeah yeah well i know with that too <laughs> yeah. like the, the the yardage guessing you, you treat it a lot like whitetail if we hear elk around and we start calling or we find a spot where we're going to call you grab that rangefinder and you pinpoint the most significant tree yep. in the area or the yep. most significant bush and try to figure out where they're going to go and, yep yeah get a range on you know i always like when i get in a white-tailed tree i always do a diameter yeah. Pick a tree at all four mm. corners or something like yep. that and try to get a diameter reading and then go from there. But yeah, it's, it is difficult and it's not perfect in those situations. That's why like last year, that elk that came in, I would have definitely taken a shot at it if I would have known how far he was, but I didn't want to pull out my rangefinder. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I am working on something for that. For my vinyl harness, yeah. Yep. I'm going a little MacGyver this year. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> awesome. So, I'm excited about yeah. that. Well, but cool. yeah, so I, I think yeah, we'll figure it out quick. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, and, and one big thing too, covering the BHA, like that we talked about like the pint nights and stuff. One thing we didn't really get into is like Rick and I kind of settled on a couple different units. I started talking to a friend of mine about it and I told him like, yeah, we're looking at this unit. And he's like, Oh yeah, you're gonna see elk in there. I've hunted Good. that. I've hunted opposite of that unit, but I've hunted there. I know there's elk everywhere in there. I was sitting in camp and had an elk walk through my camp. Like. All right, cool. <laughs> We're good. Sounds good. So we did what everybody does and like what we've talked about a million times. We did the e-scouting thing and looked up statistics and all that stuff and yep. kind of settled on a few different units. And then once I talked to him, I was like, yeah, Rick, I think this is what we're doing. And Rick's yeah. like, yeah, it sounds pretty good to me. Yeah. The only thing we have to contend with there is grizzly bears, mm -hmm. um, a lot of them. So, mm -hmm. but that's just, you know, I think nowadays that's part of the problem you know it's something you got to deal with everywhere yeah you know, pretty much so. part of it well good deal well awesome hopefully guys you know if you're listening out there hopefully this conversation has helped you you know you listen to these two guys planning their trip and hopefully you can gain some knowledge or some ideas uh when it comes to to planning maybe if you're going to go out west you know we have kind of this outline here pick a state check the laws and regulations pick a unit pick a hunting partner unless you're going solo uh, decide kind of what that teamwork looks like and talk about things up front. And, you know, one takeaway, be, be the hunting partner you'd like to have and 
we'll probably get into definitely a recap when you guys get back. Yeah. We'll have a we'll have an awesome story to hear about elk hit the ground and yeah. pack outs and late nights, bonfires and just everything that we love Hopefully about the backcountry. Double in Idaho and one in Montana on the way home. There you go. <laughs> and if you uh if you're in the market for strings on your bow or definitely a rest on your bow, check out Vapor Trail Archery. Uh, yeah. Just incredible rest. One thing to say about that rest, and it's something Rick shared with us, number one, it's just a great rest, but number two, for backcountry hunting, if something happens, it's so easy to get that yeah. thing lined back up and ready to go and and completely easily tunable. And Yeah, if you I, can't pack a Rick... With yeah, you. <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you can't pack, and if you want to pack, just let me know. I'll, I'll see what I can do about getting time off of work. That's but. right. So yeah, check out Vapor Trail. We're always pretty partial to businesses that are here in our home state of Minnesota, and that's one of them. So uh, they do great work. And Rick, thanks for thanks for joining us, man. Yeah, thanks, really, yeah, man. Thanks, it's always a good time. Yeah, thank you guys for joining us, and we'll see you on the next one. Hey Siri, play the latest episode of the Backcountry Dreaming podcast. Okay, backcountry dreaming podcast coming up. Go out, and I've always thought that turkey hunting might be one of the best hunts to take somebody out on that maybe has never hunted before or is reintroduced. Oh, it's crazy fun. It's active. Yeah. It's action packed. Hey, Apple users, did you know you can access the backcountry dreaming podcast using Siri? You can also find us on Spotify and Stitcher. But no matter where you get your podcasts, remember to subscribe and give us a rating and review. We love your feedback. Contact Outdoors crew would like to send out a sincere thank you to all of our listeners. The Backcountry Dreaming Podcast is brought to you by Contact Outdoors and directed by Brian Holberg. Original music and audio production by Nakota Rankin. Connect with us online. Links to our website, Instagram, and Facebook can be found in the show notes.